when Christy and I got engaged, you know, and as we headed towards marriage and all that was to be planned for that, you know, the responsibility to uh, take care of the honeymoon fell on me. And I was good with that. I was, I was excited about it, you know, because I was interested in that part of it for all sorts of reasons, right? Now, so now me, when I, when I thought of the honeymoon, I'm thinking, that, you know, hanging out night after night in the city, you know, late two, three in the morning, restaurants, maybe, you know, fun music, people, electric, right? That's me. That's my honeymoon, right? Christy, Christy's all, she's somewhere else. Christy's all about the sun, the sand, and the sea, huh? Yeah. Well, so, well, when I basically toss out my plan for the honeymoon, I could see right away Christy's kind of like disappointed. It's not what she expected, you know? But I'm a city boy, huh? And sun, sand, and sea, it's just not on my radar, huh? Matter of fact, I... I I couldn't even swim at that time in my life. And I was about 28, I was probably about 30 years old. My kids tell me I still can't swim to this day. But, so you know what? I, I decided, okay, you know what? I'm gonna defer, I'm gonna go along with what Christy prefers. Well, we don't get past, I don't think, day two. I, we, we don't get too far into our honeymoon, right, where I regret, deeply regret go, making that decision huh? and deferring to Chrissy's expectations. So we, we go to, we, of course, Chrissy wanted to go to like a, a, like a Caribbean island, a tropical climate, and which I, I did, you know. So now I'm really out of, I mean, I've never been, I don't even have been out of the country at that point. And so here we are now, we're on this Caribbean island, and... And, you know, the sun and the sand, which, you know, I'm, I'm really not into that, but I'm really apprehensive about the whole sea thing. I don't like the water. That's their territory. You know, they have fins. I have feet. This is my territory. We don't need to cross each other's paths at all. I mean, apprehensiveness is, a, it, I'm, I'm <coughs> understating it. Well, Christy now wants to go snorkeling, right? So she pushes the point because that's what a honeymoon was to her, you know. I'm sure she's seen the pictures, the thing, the guy, you know, the guy, the Jamaican, the guy in the gal, uh, hanging out in the water with the whole snorkeling thing, hanging out. Okay, so she wants to go snorkeling. So I go ahead. We go snorkeling. Well, I'm not doing well at all. Some of you have heard this, but, you know, we're going now and I've got my floaties on. I, I got floaties all over the place, right? And, you know, your head's under the water, you have, you have this, this, this contraption coming out of your face and it's going up in the air, up in, so you can get, you know, you get air. And we're going along and she's swimming and I'm just, I don't, I'm, a, I'm like a piece of wood sitting on the water. And, um, and I'm looking, I see something colorful, I don't like it, I want to get away from it. I see some rocks, I don't like that either. I'm just, just trying to stay away from everything, okay, and stay alive here. So now it, we start to kind of, she makes a turn, and I notice things are getting narrower. We're going in shallow water. I'm, my heart's coming out of my chest. And then she starts to like turn, turn and as she does it, she's pushing me into the, the, the formations. And I'm thinking, man, something's going to like snatch me. I'm going to like get poisoned. Something's going to electrocute me. And I start screaming. And I mean, I am screaming at it, saying all sorts of things. But, you know, I'm under the water, but I'm screaming so loud, she can't hear what I'm saying, but she actually hears like noise. That's how loud I'm screaming, right? And so she stops, and we were actually gotten shallow enough that she stands up, and then I realize, oh, I can stand up. So I stand up, and I get up, and when I stand up there, because we're in a bay of all these people standing there looking at me. Because you see, they could hear, must have been able to hear everything I was saying, came up out of my tube, right? And I was screaming for my life amongst other things, right? 
And I always thought, man, they probably heard some of those things. You know when you say those things like under your breath, you figure the other person's not going to hear it? Well, I'm under the water, so I'm screaming it, and I think they heard it all, right? And it's one thing if we were on a public beach, but no, we were on a cruise, so pretty much everybody there were on the cruise. So I had to look at these people for the next seven days on and off. Huh? I was probably like that night's dinner conversation. So I have this like life-threatening experience and this most humiliating moment, right? So right out of the gate into a marriage, Christy and I have these kind of unmet expectations. I expected my honeymoon to be this. She expected her honeymoon to be that. Boom, disappointment. Boom, conflict. I was not happy. Went and pouted, kicked through my snorkel. I did. I'm not kidding. I couldn't get off my feet. I boom. I mean, I did not take it well at all. It was so humiliating. We were in, you know, we, we got past it. You know, we had lunch. But it was, it was a tough moment, right? Okay. I want to welcome you to our new teaching series, Real Relationships, where we're looking to God's Word to discover helpful insight, advice to deal with real problems with real people who have real relationships, right? I mean, we want to get through this. Now, today we're talking specifically about expectations. It's, it's a big subject. Wow, you know, when I, I want to, we watch time, I want to get us going. But when I sit down with people, often when I'm counseling them, and they're in strife, I'll say, okay, so what did you expect? What were your expectations? Tell me when you discuss what you expect. And they just look at each other like, and they look at me like, what? Like, well, we really never talked about that stuff, what we expected or what we expected in this situation or what we expected in that situation. And yet they all had these kind of, you know, subliminal or somewhat, they had expectations because we all do, right? And especially when it comes to relationships. So today we want to talk about how to deal with the disappointment that comes from unmet expectations and relationships. Hear me out. This is good. This is critical. If you get this, you're just going to go forward. You're going to go in a better direction in your relationships. Now, you have relationships with your family. You're going to have unmet expectations in family relationships. You have relationships with friends. You're going to have unmet expectations with those. You have brothers, sisters, unmet expectations, and we might be dating. You know, you have a lot of unmet expectations. If you're dating, you have a lot of unmet expectations. You might want to stop that dating relationship, huh? Don't go to council. Just take the exit, man. So by the time this is over today, I'll, I'll lose more and more fans and people who like me by the time I get through this, huh? Last year, I barely got through the relationship series without my wife frowning on me several times. Remember? I got in trouble. We try and stay out of it this year. We'll do our best. So, but then you have this thing called marriage. And perhaps of all relationships, we see these unmet expectations taking place within this marriage relationship. It's just, it's unesca- you can't escape it. It's part of life. And today we want to kind of talk about it. We want to give you some guidance, some instructions on just how to navigate this. So let's start off with this. Where do expectations come from? Because they're there. They are there. You might not even realize they're a source of disappointment, but they're there. Well, first, it might be religious beliefs, traditional beliefs. You might have grown up in a, in a, in a way where your spiritual, the way you interpret the Bible is like, you know, the man, he's the provider, he's the protector, he goes to work, the woman stays home, she takes care of the children, she's the homemaker. Okay, that's kind of like a traditional thing. It might be religious, it might be more tradition, but you, that's, that's your expectation. It's where you're coming from. Some, maybe no, maybe you say, hey, guy, gal, the two of us, husband, wife, we can go at this together, we can work, we can take care of the kids. It's kind of more of like a, a, a companionship type of way in approaching it. So I'm not going to deal with what's better, what's right. 
Today, that's a different sermon. Today, I just want to say there are different ways, and likely you have one of those expectations coming into a marriage, or had one of those expectations coming into a marriage, right? And when those expectations aren't met, there's, there's an issue. Now, upbringing. Some of, our, some of our expectations come from the way we were brought up, meaning the model we've seen our mom or dad, the home we were brought up in. So, you know, for instance, Christy and I, and we've had to work through a ton of these. I, I wonder if we're still kind of working through some of them, you know? I remember when, you know, when my family, we sat down at the table to eat, we talked a lot. I mean, it was like, we actually looked forward to sitting down at the table. Even if we were going to argue, I looked forward to going after my brother at the table when we sat down. I mean, when we sat down to eat, we talked, we argued, we got it all done at the table, man, right? You got in trouble at the table, and it all happened at the table when we sat down. Well, Chrissy's family, they just listened to each other chew. That's the only thing that went on. So when Chrissy and I sit down, I've talked about this before, and I'm like, I'm, this is it. This is the platform, man. And just Christy totally didn't get it, you know? Then I grew up, me, and I had five, we had a family of six kids, my mother and my father. Christy was her, her mom, and she just had her brother. So she got to take 45-minute showers. I had to take a five-minute shower, man. There was no 45-minute showers. Whoa, there was some serious difference in expectations going into this one, right? And then my mom, she made me breakfast a lot. Even if we weren't getting along, she'd make me breakfast. She said she liked to make breakfast. I got married, and I'm asking Chrissy, so you're going to make breakfast? Or, you know, you're going to make breakfast one? She goes, that's what cereal is for. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, what the heck? Where's my eggs, man? Where's the, where's the, come on, really? So expect, I really expected breakfast. Now, listen, nevertheless, when we're married, we often will take that kind of what was impressed on us from our mom, dads, and we bring that expectation. It's there often. I tell, often tell women, you know what? Where, if she doesn't get this, or I'll tell her, and I could say the same thing to a guy, where'd your mom keep her bread? She's like, well, uh, well, in the refrigerator. Where do you keep your bread? In the fridge. Or if you, if you, well, on the counter in a box, that's where you keep your bread, right? So we, we, it happens, we're impressed on. Next, we got these cultural, so where, where do we get these expectations? Where are they derived from? How about cultural influences? So author Stephen Otterburn writes in his book, The Seven Minute Marriage Solution. He says this, I believe movies, TV shows, Magazines and romance novels of the past half century have done much to create the seriously flawed expectations couples take into marriage today. I am convinced that these unrealistic expectations are a major cause of the ballooning number of failed marriages in America. So he's talking about expectations that, that, that are coming from our culture that are negative. So it, let's just toss out some examples. In the Twilight series, Edward Cullen is understanding. Guys, understanding. He's compassionate. When, when this Bella cries, right? He, he, Bella never has to tell Edward what's going on inside of her. She, he just knows it. He knows, he knows when to hug her. He knows when to hold her. He knows what to say before she even turns around and, and says anything to him, right? He practically reads her mind, huh? Now, on the other hand, in many romance novels, TV shows, 
It's this like nonstop romance. I mean, it, it is all about romance, right? One passionate moment after the other. They wake up and there they are and they're smiling. And the gal, you know, she's always dressed nicely, isn't she? I mean, somehow she's always got that nice lingerie on and she's always looking so good. It's all happening. And then, you, you know, you're going to, and you, you know, you're going into marriage and it's like, you know, these flannel Boston Red Sox things. And some of you guys, that's a turn on, but, you know. But it, it's just such a detraction, you know, from what you're seeing and what's portrayed. And yet, you know, you see enough of it. And, and what he's saying is, hey, it's an impression. It kind of sticks on you. You're a guy. You're looking at how come this guy can't read my mind? How come he can't just always speak these kind, nice things and be there when I need him to hug me and, and just dig me and understand me? And if you're a, a guy, why isn't she dressed in this Victoria's Secret lingerie? I mean, because that's all you're seeing over and over and over and over again, right? Like even if they came out of like a hurry or something like that, you know, they get just all propped up nice and it's all got it going. It's come on now, right? Maybe I didn't do pro- right, unnecessary. Okay. <laughs> then also you got these previous relationships, right? So hey, let's just cover everything here. For instance, if you're married before, and again, with this, this come on, it's, it's below the level here, and you go into a new marriage, you might be carrying in some of those expectations from your old marriage, positive or negative, right? and might be causing some conflict, you know, in your marriage, these unmet expectations. All right, so what does the Bible say about expectations? Proverbs chapter 13, 12 says, hope, now, hope deferred. In other words, what we expect or hope for doesn't happen. It's been put off. It says, the Bible says it makes the heart sick, meaning it causes us to be disappointed and to be hurt emotionally. And then it says, but, a, but a, a longing fulfilled, meaning what we expect to happen actually did happen now, is a tree of life, meaning it makes us happy when our expectations are met, meaning we're swaying nicely in the wind, we're bearing fruit, good stuff is coming out of us huh? when our expectations are met. So in short, when our expectations are met, we're happy. When they're not, we're disappointed or hurt. Yeah? Yeah. You, you might be going day to day like this in your marriage or in a relationship. Many people get sick and tired of living with disappointment and hurt. It makes sense, right? It's kind of how we're, we're built to be, right? And so what happens is it's, you see this slow deterioration of a, of a relationship. It begins to get kind of tired. People tolerate, and then they get resentful and bitter, and then they go back to trying to tolerate just to make it. And all this back and forth between tolerating and bitterness and resentment, it erodes intimacy, and it makes a marriage kind of tired and tired and worn. Huh? But we don't want that. We want vibrant, God-glorifying marriage, yes? All right, so I would tell you today that there's a better way. There's a better way than what I think most people practice. Even many believers, Christians, there's a better way. And the answer isn't upgrading. The answer isn't divorce. The answer isn't turning around and continually find a way just to like tolerate. It's not the answer. There's a better God-glorifying answer. So how do you meet, how do you deal with unmet expectations in your relationship? Well, depends on if you're talking about unrealistic expectations or realistic expectations. There are two, right? And I'm sure this has probably been flying through your heads as I'm doing this. Unrealistic expectations and realistic. Let's go to unrealistic expectations first. Let's get those out of the way, all right? Now, if you discover that you have these unrealistic expectations in your relationship, you just need to let them go. Can we be any more clear than that, right? Proverbs 10, 28, chapter 10, verse 28 says, The hope of the godly 
result in happiness. But the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. Meaning, usually when they're unrealistic expectations, they're not coming from a good place. From a selfish place, from a disturbed place. They're just, they're just not real. They're not of God. huh? They're just, and so therefore, they're not going to come to fruition. They're, it's not going to happen. Because they're unrealistic. So, the first unrealistic space, let's toss out a few of them. And the first one is this. My spouse will make me happy. Yeah. This is a big one. That's why I want to kick right off with it. My spouse will make me happy. This is a myth. Say with, say myth. Yeah, it's a myth. Your spouse will not make you happy. Oh, they might, they might, they might float your boat in that moment. They might tickle you. But overall, your spouse will not make you happy. They will not make you whole. They will not complete you. This is not true. We not only know it's not true biblical because the bachelor, right, but we even know it just from life experience. Common sense, it just doesn't work that way, huh? Scripture, there is nothing in the Bible that states your spouse, your husband, your wife is going to make you happy. That's just not what it calls it out. You are responsible for your own happiness. You get that? God has called you. God's enabled you. God's made you for you and you alone to be responsible for your own happy, happiness. Here's, here's what it is. I want you to get this, especially if you're dating, you're engaged, or maybe mar- if you're married, saying, how, how did it come to this? Or, or you're, you're, again, you have this unrealistic expectation that your spouse was going to make you happy. If you weren't happy before you got married, you are not going to be happy in your marriage. I'm t- if you are not happy, if you are an unhappy person, if you are not happy with who you are in your life before you got married and you thought your marriage and this man or this woman was going to make you happy, that was an unrealistic expectation and you are not going to be happy. And as I'm saying those words, you probably get that, huh? No reason to get angry, no reason to get down. Just be glad that God is merciful. He's gracious. We're here today and man, we can move forward in a better way. Yes. How good is God? So Jesus said this. Jesus is the source of our happiness. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way and the truth and the life. I give you life. I give you happiness. It says he, he has your name engraved in his hand. He, he delights in you. You're the first of all his fruits. God loves you. And that brings happiness to us. We find our happiness in a knowledge that the God, that Jesus loves us, huh? And that we love him because he first loved us. This must bring happiness to you in all circumstances, in all situations. But this is what's going to make you happy. Uh, There's this saying, and I've kind of embraced it. You know, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Right? Just Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing else is all I need. This is my happiness. This is what makes me happy. You want to go there. That might seem kind of abstract. That might seem like, whoa, that, that's really difficult, you know? But just begin to let that sink into your heart and mind. That, that's where you're going to find happiness. And the more you venture in there and away from this other thought and thinking, these, these unrealistic expectations, because they're hard to give up. They, I say they're unrealistic, but they're reality to you, right? That's your perspective. What your perspective is, that's your reality. But consider this morning that Jesus would be your happiness, huh? All right, now, and it's not your spouse's. Next, unrealistic expectation. We're going to move quickly here. My spouse will never let me down. Ha, 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 right? <laughs> Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. And that's talking about a community of people, but you certainly can bring this 
responsibly over into marital relationships and relationships with people. That they're not perfect. And I know we say that. Well, yeah, of course I know they're not perfect. But do we actually act that out, huh? Meaning, do we, when we look at our relationships with our husband and wives, do we actually take into account that they're human? Do we give them room to make mistakes? Uh, and I know, of course, we're going to say, of course I know they're not perfect. But when they do make mistakes, when they do things that in your eyes might fall short, is do you respond from that place that, of course I didn't, of course I, honey, I, you're, yeah, you're not perfect, honey, and things happen and here's some room. Is that how we do it? Or do we actually respond from a place of more so that would say, I expect you to be perfect? Gradual thing. I, it just, I try and be honest up here. I try to be genuine. I got my wife listening. I got in-laws. I got kids. I, this is it right here for me. This is one of my weak points. I'm really good at some things in marriage. Really good. I could give lessons. I'm so good at some things. But this one right here, man, I, I, I'm like, a, I'm below five. On, one to ten, I'm below five on this baby. You know, I'm ambitious. I like things to be done. I'm driven. Uh, I'm always, sometimes you see, I got that game face going on. And here, I don't do well. I gotten a little bit better, but I got a ways to go, you know? Where, you know, when if, if people in my home and my wife might do something that is not what I expected or fall short or a mistake, I'm, I'd be might more corrective Huh? More confrontational, more, you know, when you give that righteous, you got to compose, just look, but you know, you don't say anything thing going on, huh? Then maybe just understanding, giving room. Hey, we make mistakes, right? We're, we're, we're flawed human beings, right? You know, but, but as God's given me grace, what an opportunity to now give grace to the woman I love or to the man I love. Do you got that? Okay, I'm off to a good start in this series, yeah? All right, last year at this time, I was drowning, man. All right. Okay, we're going we're gonna to move quickly here. My, the next unrealistic expectation is this. My spouse and I will live perpetually in the euphoric state of love. <laughs> now, I know if you're, if you're engaged, if you're dating, we got, yeah, you don't get this. And I, and I am not dissing romance. It's cool. I still try and put it into my marriage. But Gary Chapman write, writes in his book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. He says, there are two stages of romantic love. The first stage requires little effort. This is good. You know, we're being pushed along and fueled and moved and, and motivated by these euphoric feelings. We commonly call this being in love, right? Where when we're in love, we freely and gladly do things for one another. It's not work. There's no effort. We're just like, whoa, we're just being carried by this, you know, these, we're floating, man, right? We'll drive 500 miles. We'll fly across the country for a weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll sacrifice. We'll do, it's just cool, right? It's not really work. Huh? I mean, when I met Christy, wow, let me see how much, it was so, probably, you know what? Whoa, it was Val Valentine's Day, 1994. I'm living in Brooklyn, New York. Christy's going to Bible college in Barrington, Rhode Island. It's Valentine's Day. I want to see her. And it's a snowstorm. I mean, it's a blizzard. I drive anyway. It takes me eight hours to go from where I live to her Bible college. And I do so gladly just to see her. Because this Bible college, well, first of all, you know, we weren't doing any hanky-panky, no sex before marriage. We were just going to go this route, you know, of just really, we were going to start out right out of the gate, being unselfish, sacrificing, having a high regard and respect for our faith and who we were, and knowing that we wanted to set this road. I'm just giving it to you as the Bible would call us to, and I'm telling you it worked. I have no regrets, man, and there's plenty of time to make up for it if you do things right in your marriage. That said, just to tell you something, 
She, she was going to a really strict Bible college. You couldn't even hold hands, man. You couldn't go. They had a six-inch rule. You couldn't. I couldn't stand six inch. It's crazy, right? I drove eight hours just to look at her. Come on. God, how great is that? Somebody give me something here. Yeah, Debs, dabs, whatever. But, man, I was fueled and being carried. Now, you say, would I do that now? I might, but it'd be work, man, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, God, give me strength. and like, oh, God. But I'd do it, man. Okay, I got some other things to say, but probably not. I'm all okay. So listen, look. This average span of this euphoric, two to three years. Two to three years, you're going to be in this place of being, it's not work, this euphoric love, this quote-unquote being in love. And that's a good thing that it only lasts two to three years. And why is that? Because when you're in this stage, you're incredibly focused on yourselves and one another, right? It's like nobody else exists. There's not actually a world. We're not mocking anybody. We're not making fun of everybody. It's cool. It's, good. it's, it's a period. It's part of life. It's okay. But you're really kind of zeroed in on one another, right? Like the rest of the world kind of doesn't matter as much. If you live there forever for 20 years, you would not get much done in your life, huh? Right? Meaning you, you, we, a lot of it, it would literally stint your growth as a mature human being if you just stayed there for two or three years. It's just the way it is. Now listen, that's why 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, says that love always perseveres. What it means there is, there's another kind of love, that second stage. It's a very, very sacrificial love. It's a, it's, it's a very mature love. It, it, it now goes deeper. It's long-lasting. It, it, it's something that's going to uh, persevere. And that's, you want to graduate to that love, huh? So if you right now have left that euphoric stage, and some people are stuck there for a long time, you were supposed to leave that euphoric stage, you know? Where, where you know, you were doing all these, like, nonstop. Every day was like, what can I do? To, you know, I, I was crazy about that. You were supposed to leave that, day, that stage. It's okay to leave that stage. You shouldn't have this unrealistic expectation that you're going to be in that stage forever. But you're supposed to graduate that stage into a deeper, healthier, more mature, and, and just unselfish love, right? Okay, so we just want to just uh, keep going. Matter of fact, what am I going to say? Okay. Oh, I was going to say it with my father, and I won't do that. Okay, anyway. So look, so let's just go. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, I keep saying that, but okay, how, how do we, what do we do here? How do we let it go? Because you've you got to let go of these unrealistic expectations. I know they're real to you, but they are, I hope I've showed you, they're unrealistic. Listen, first talk with somebody who you respect. I did that, you know? Meaning get somebody who you respect, who seems to have a good marriage, or you, and just share with them, hey, this is what I'm expecting from my spouse. Is this real? Is this unrealistic? I hear it's unrealistic. Toss it out there, huh? Commit to stop bringing up issues over and over again to your spouse. You just keep bringing the same thing, this unmet expectation. You keep bringing it to them. You, uh, sometimes I'm counseling spouses, and the husband or wife will say, well, he always does this, or she's always like that. And I'm thinking, and I'll say it sometimes. I'm like, so they always do that? She always said that? Yeah. I'm like, so what did you expect? <laughs> right? What did you? So, you know, like you look surprised. You look at me like, what did you expect? Huh? So stop bringing, just make some adjustments if necessary. I mean, stop just bringing it the same way. And often when we bring it that way, we often bring it to them in kind of like a confrontational, agitated, bothered, frustrated way because we're disappointed and hurt, right? Commit, so that's the fair. Next thing you know, commit to start bringing the issue before the Lord. This is huge. 
Pray for peace. Pray for unity. Pray to understand and consider your, your spouse and why they are holding on to this. Pray to see how you can talk with them and how you can navigate this. Listen, God is real. The Holy Spirit, it, 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 it lives and dwells amongst us. It pierces bone and marrow, so in spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, and it shows us and tells us who we are and how we should go. Yes? Look, me and Chrissy, we've dealt with this several times. When, you know, we're going to sit out to homeschool, we're all excited and this and that. And Chrissy starts homeschooling. Next thing you know, it's like, hey, you know, I'm here I am, baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, because all of a sudden she's Justin and then Jason and Janelle. And it's, it's demanding. And, you know, you know, we went the route where Chrissy was going to be the homemaker, take her at home. And, and, and next thing you know, she's, in, she's homeschooling these kids. And things start changing. What was in place is no longer in place. What used to be is no longer there, right? And I had these expectations, and I, I was getting frustrated and upset. Like, you know, why can't I have underwears? And why can't, and why can't this be going on? And so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I, I was impatient. And so I had a what? I had to count, call some people, talk to them, and they pretty much set me straight. Like, what's most valuable to hear? And not that this always happened, but my expectations were unrealistic, huh? And so I, we went through that process where I talked with some people. I stopped just coming to my wife about it in a certain way. I met with God, and I came to a better place. And we gradually came to a better place. That doesn't mean we're void of this at all, but it means we definitely came to a better place as a couple, rather than just carrying the, the, the tension and the resentment over and over and over forever. Sound good? All right, listen. Ready? If you discover that you have unrealistic expectations that your spouse is not meeting, you need to let them know. Say it with me. Say, let it go. Or let them know, right? Matthew 18, 15 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense, right? I'm sorry, I said this wrong because I'm trying to rush. If you discover that you have realistic ex expectations, yet your spouse isn't meeting, you need to let them know. So I just scratch what I said before. If you <laughs> so if you have realistic expectations, let them know. Talk to them. Communicate with them. Let them know what, why are you not doing this or why are you doing this. It's better to do that than to hold it in. Listen, let's go over some quickly some healthy, realistic expectations that you can have in a marriage. One is to have a healthy sex life. It's okay. We're not going to get into that. We've talked about this talk before. It's okay. Husbands, you know, that's okay to feel that way. Wives, it's okay to feel that way, you know? And it's okay to talk about that if something is kind of awry or you don't feel that that's happening. And there's always someone, to, just so you know, somebody says, oh, well, she or he has a low, a low sex drive. Look, it's not a, somebody always has more of a sex drive than another, right? It's not so much that one is low, one is high. We're just different at times, right? But you got to be able to talk about this. you got to be able to say, you know what, I have this expectation that, you know, we're going to be engaging in this method of physical intimacy and talk about that. You do, that's a gift from God. God has given men and women in all of creation, no one can experience sexual intimacy like men and women, right? And that is an incredible evidence that God created us, right? It's precious to him. It's precious to us. Communicate about this. Two, spend time together. If, you, if your spouse is a workaholic, you feel like you don't spend time together, talk to them, you know? It's not good. Sit down. Chat with them. You know, ask them to find a new job. Work with them. Come alongside them. It's okay to expect that. Communicate about the finances. This is a big one. We'll talk about this later on some other, another week coming up. 
But look, sit down. One, you know, Chrissy's much more was much more frugal than I was. She was more organized than I was. I was more impulsive. Sit down and say, look, you know, you're a saver. I want to live right now. I want to have a great day today. You're thinking about the future. You know, that's security to you. For me, it's just living in the moment, making the most of it. Sit down and express your very, really realistic expectation. You know, and you both might have reasonable expectations. You just got to come to an understanding of one another. Now. Here's, here's one for, I think, younger couples. It's realistic to expect your spouse not to act as if they were single. I just thought I'd toss this one out there because I see it often. I'm probably going to lose some friends here right now, okay? This is a totally realistic expectation. You are not single anymore. I know that wedding ring right there, when you get up in the morning, there's somebody of the opposite sex laying next to you. You are not single anymore, right? You're married. Married men don't go out three and four times a week, twice a week with their buddies. It just, it just, and I know sometimes you got ladies doing that too, but I still think it leans more. You just, you don't do that, you know? You're married. And it's realistic, a realistic expectation that your wife wants you to be home and with her. And maybe every now and then you're going out with your friends and you have this hobby, you know. A guy's got two, three hobbies. They're here, they're there, or, or now, whatever. Man, you, be home. And when you're there, be there, right? Okay, let's go to the other side. <laughs> Gals, you know what? You got married. And that friend, he's out, in my opinion. So when your husband has that realistic expectation to say, you know what, I, I don't think you guys should be texting like that and, and Facebooking and all that stuff. And you're like, man, come on, you're so insecure. He's just a friend. No, you're married. Man, stay away from this. This is not healthy. This is not good. So many, so many relationships are marred, broken. And not just because a guy's upset, because it just often kind of leads to things. And even without it, you're married. Your dedication, your faithfulness is to your husband. So put aside, you know, me and Christy did this when we got married. That's it, done. No more. I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm a social guy, right? I had so many friends, guys and girls, done, out. We call that protecting our marriage. Christy, Christy had more guy friends than girlfriends. I'm telling you, she did. She got along with guys better than girls. Like, I think her top eight friends, one was a girl, the rest were guys. And that ended real quick, too. <laughs> but not just because of my demand, because we were there. Why? Because we protect. We do think we, right out of the gate, we, we said so we're going to protect our marriage. We're not going to have these opposite sex relationships. We're not going to watch films where people are having sex in their nude. That just ain't going to happen, you know? I'm not going to stay away for, to do, for long periods of time. We're, we're going to protect our marriage. A couple of other things that went on. In the, oh, we try not to go to bed angry, you know? Meaning we just try and have some nice words before we go. You know, lately, I don't know, I fall asleep before we can figure that out sometimes, but I'm tired. But you get what I'm saying, right? Protect your marriage with this one. I'm going long. Be faithful to one another and always push these relationships out of there. Okay, so now look, we've got to just fly through. All right, now, I want to just get right here. So, in conclusion here, look, give the benefit of the doubt. When you're trying to communicate, when you're trying to come to the right place here, with these expectations, unmet expectations, give the benefit of doubt. Honey, you know what? I, I know you're not doing this intentionally. I know you don't mean to hurt me. Um, I know this is just kind of how, how you grew up and how you perceive things to be, but would you consider this? Huh? This is when I got married, this is what I expected. And, um, 
and, and if you think it's unrealistic, tell me, right? Just, just give them the benefit of doubt. Not that they're disrespecting you, they're nasty, they don't care, they want you to be just like their mother. Just, just give the benefit of the doubt. Start out in a positive way, in an uplifting way, yeah? Next, after you do that, communicate your expectations. Hey, listen, you know, communicate specifically what they are. I, I am just, and I say this in a humble, kind, gentle, loving way, I am really, really surprised, and I've learned from this, not that we had it all together, how many people have not communicated their expectations to one another? I, I mean, there's not a week that goes by that I'm not counseling a couple. There's not one week that goes by. So just so you know, I'm teaching this series. There's not one week that goes by that I am not counseling a couple. I don't, there are times where maybe months will go by and there might be, not be one day where I'm dealing with a couple that's in some difficulty. You hear me? Some go to church and some don't. They just, they, you know, they came a few times in contact with me. Listen here. And often they just simply have not properly and clearly communicated the expectation one to another. So talk to each other. And then talk it out and find a win-win situation. You can do that, right? I love that win-win. What can we do here that you're going to win and I'm going to win? Right? We can work this through. So, you know, look, when I opened up, I talk about Christy's 45-minute showers, which she denies, by the way. But I timed them. (laughs) So I'm telling you, 45-minute minimum. I'm thinking we broke 60 minutes here and there every now and then. So, so now, now, don't get me wrong. If I was wealthy, I could, and I could pay a water bill, a, a hot, you know, a heating bill, that'd be great, but I can't, right? So we had to come to like this kind of win-win situation. I think it's about 25 minutes now, you know? Although maybe she's even shortened out of a bit, right? Or 20 minutes. I think it's 20 minutes. But we did. We came to this like understanding where I wouldn't be like timing her, banging on the door, yelling things in, you know? And, and, and it, was, it was win-win, okay? And not just one, but there are many of you just come to this situation where you want, where, okay, you want to give them something and they're going to give you something. Makes that simple. All right, worship team, why don't you come on up? We're going to close this out. You still love me? <laughs> Where's that romantic love when you need it, man? <laughs> Look, so many couples face unmet expectations, huh? But thinking you're going to avoid this problem, it's just not, don't do that, because you're not going to. And as much as there's conflict in every marriage, there's unmet expectations in every marriage. And you don't need to turn around and run from it. You don't need, it's just reality. It's just part of relationships. Not that you've done something wrong. It's just different expectations. But this morning, you can communicate with one another. You can give each other the benefit of the doubt. You can talk it out and look for a win-win situation. And if you do that, you're going to improve your marriage. If you do that, you're going to really take down and remove a lot of this bitterness and this resentment and this confusion, if you'll do that. Why don't you stand with me? For some of you, it's going to help you have a healthier marriage. For some of you, it's going to help you start your marriage in a good way. Relationships are hard work, aren't they? Relationships are hard work, and that's because they are very, very fulfilling. One 
They're done right from a biblical, godly perspective. Relationships are meant to be very fulfilling, and the marriage relationship, more than any other, is meant to be fulfilling. Not tired, not old. It, it really is my marriage with all my heart. It's a source of strength for me. It's a source of encouragement to me. It's a source of passion for me. I, 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 it, it just literally, it means so much to me, huh? God makes me happy. God is my peace. God is my portion of my provision. But by God's grace, he's given me this woman, and I am so glad to share marriage and have this relationship in my life. huh? And that's what it was meant to be for you. But let's work on these unmet expectations. It's going to take work. But if you do that, you're going to have a lot of fulfillment. And next, I want you to consider this. Talking about a relationship that needs work or that requires work, maybe in some ways. I want to be careful doctrinally here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, right? Uh, I just, I like the way he put it up there, you know? If you don't get that he really does love you, that he's really given his life for you, that he's reached out to you, that he did check that box off, huh? And that this morning you can turn to him, you can turn from the way you're living, you can turn to him, and you can begin to move into that relationship. I I, I don't like the word work because he's done the work. It's done. You don't have to do anything. He's done it already, right? It's like, you don't, you know, the box is checked already. You just need to move into that relationship. You just need to turn around and shift the source of your happiness to Jesus this morning by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, then you want to take that connection card this morning that we gave to you. You want to check that box off that says, I am trusting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Bottom left-hand side of the connection card, check that box off. You're going to bring it out to the next steps table. You're going to hand it to them. They're going to give you a package. It's, it's kind of our gift. It's got a Bible. It's got other, some other good stuff in there for you. But we just thank God for this. It's why we're here this morning. And this is the beginning of you having healthy relationships because all of them are built on the most important relationship of all, yours with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Yes? To God be the glory. Amen.